Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Padres Mission Podcast. I am your host, Fernando Mendez, joined here by your other host, Andrew Ciccarelli. How you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Tonight's been a, it's a pretty big night, and I'm pretty excited about uh, what's you know going to come next, if you want to talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, now we've been uh, teasing this for weeks now, and Andrew and I have been working on this for weeks. Uh, we are going to have Matt Antonelli. Matt Antonelli was the uh, Padres' 2006 first-round pick. He was drafted 17th overall. And, uh, I mean, I'm just excited to see how this interview turns out. How about you? I'm, I'm super excited. I'm, uh, I'm ready to get at it. All right. Well, uh, without further ado, folks, here you have it, Matt Antonelli. All right, and this is Fernando Mendez here with the Padres Mission Podcast. I'm here with my co-host, uh, Andrew Ciccarelli, and we're joined here by Matt Antonelli. Matt, first of all, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Uh, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing well, guys, and no problem at all. Thanks for having me. Yeah, th- you uh, Andrew, th- have anything you want to say to Matt? Yeah, yeah, I really appreciate you making the time to come on our show tonight. Uh, this is our first interview, and I'm really excited to hear, hear what you have to say. Awesome. I'm glad I'm first. <laughs> uh, now, once again, this is Matt Antonelli He was originally drafted by the San Diego Padres He was the 17th pick of the 2006 Major League Draft Now, Matt, you were the 27th overall prospect in Major League Baseball That's something that goes through your head um, You know, How do you deal with the pressures, if you will? And uh, do you ever notice teams treating prospects of that magnitude any differently? So a couple of things when, when I was in it, when I was playing, um, you know, I never, we'll start off with being treated differently. I, I never noticed that I was treated any differently. Um, but a lot of players, other players that were not considered high prospects would always tell me how differently I was being treated than they were being treated. I just didn't really see it. Um, but I, I will say I did notice now, when I left the Padres uh, in 2010 was my last year there, I ended up playing for four other organizations. And I definitely did see that um, there was a difference between being a, a high prospect and being a high draft pick and not. Um, I was definitely treated differently in those other organizations. Not that I was treated poorly. Um, I don't know. I guess you just get a little bit more attention when you are one of the, the higher prospects of an organization, especially when they draft you in the first round. So um, I will say I did notice that. And then um, as far as dealing with being a top prospect, I personally didn't think about it very much. Um, it's really strange. A lot of people don't believe me when I say it, but I didn't think about the whole first round draft pick stuff. I didn't think about the high prospect stuff. My goal was, my goal was never really to just be drafted and play in the minor leagues, but my goal was always to kind of get to the big leagues and hopefully have a long career. So that's what I was really focused on. I put more pressure on myself and thought about it more when I, when I got to the big leagues and wasn't successful, that kind of was what I was focused on. And, and at times really kind of ate at me that I wasn't playing well, but as far as the prospect stuff, I didn't really think about that or let it bother me. Oh, that's cool. So, uh, I guess a little bit of a follow-up. So, uh, to go back a little bit to the beginning of your answer, what do you think was the uh, the big difference between when you left the Padres organization and like when you went to uh, I think it was the Nationals after? Yep. Yeah. Like so. Like, uh, would you be able to like um, expand upon some of those differences between the organizations? 
as far as the the prospect and me and my personal feelings are just differences in the organizations. In well, I guess I, I guess like differences in how they handled you as a prospect. Yeah, sure. So, well, I'll say when when I'm with the Padres and I'm a and I'm a high prospect, when members of the whether it's minor league or even major league front office come into town, they're going to interact with you more. You feel like you're important to the organization. They talk to you. They want to know how you're doing. Um, and so that doesn't really happen, or at least for me when I left, it didn't happen as as much. You know, I'm not in spring training. Um, not that you're invisible, but when I went to the Nationals and other teams, I'm not really conversing very much with um, people in the front office or even people within the, you know, whether it's the, you want to come the farm director, I don't even know the, the exact titles of all the guys, but you know, when I'm with the Padres, um, Grady Fuson was basically who drafted me. He was kind of the head of the minor leagues and developing players with the Padres. And I talk with Grady all the time and, uh, people used to always joke with me that I was like his son and, uh, they didn't get treated the same way that I did. And I just thought it was normal. I just figured everyone, um, you know, everyone talked to, <laughs> talked yeah, yeah, to him all yeah, right. and, uh, <laughs> and then I went to the nationals and, and other teams and that doesn't, you know, it doesn't happen. So I think that's probably just the biggest thing you, you do, you know, I felt important when I was with the Padres and at times with the other organizations, you just feel like you're just kind of one of the other guys, one of, you know, there's hundreds of guys and you just kind of feel like, you know, you're just a guy thrown in with a bunch of other ones. So I think that's probably just the, the biggest difference overall. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So it's like you come into the organization and you kind of know what you know because that's all you know in that organization, if that makes For sense. Sure. Yep, absolutely. Matt, you were obviously a good baseball player. You made it to the show. But most people may not know that you were a great football player as well. In fact, you were the Massachusetts Player of the Year in football and were actually the runner-up for baseball in your senior year. At what point in your life did you realize that baseball was what you wanted to do and you didn't want to, you know, pursue football? Sure. So actually as a kid, uh, my dream was always to, I wanted to play in the major leagues or actually in the NHL. I was really big into hockey most wow. of my life. Football didn't really start until high school. I never played football until high school. Um, so my goal was always to do one of those two things. I, I actually wanted to go play at the University of New Hampshire. I wanted to play baseball and hockey. Um, as a kid, I was the bat boy for the UNH baseball team, and we were good friends with the hockey coach, and I would go to games you know, all the time. So that was my dream, and then UNH actually dropped the baseball program, and that kind of crushed all of my dreams when I was um, <laughs> probably entering high school. And, uh, and so I would say probably, I would say probably sophomore year of high school, I realized that I had a chance to be a pretty good baseball player and that I was gonna, you know, I started to get somewhat recruit. I got attention from colleges and, and so I knew I was probably going to go play college baseball somewhere. And, you know, I could have went and played football at, at colleges, but I was thinking long-term, you know, do I have a better chance at playing in the major leagues or playing in the NFL? And as a not overly big uh, football player, um, I just thought that my my skill set <laughs> for baseball was probably a little bit better. And I would love, I would, I would say, I would love to go back in time and be able to say, okay, let's try football and see what happens because I really do love football. Um, 
I love baseball also, but football, football might be my favorite sport to watch. Um, and also to play on, on, on game day practices were a different thing. I love baseball practice. I hate football practices. Um, but yeah, I would say to, to answer your question, I would say probably sophomore year of high school going into junior year is when I, when I knew that I probably should put my attention really towards uh, baseball. Okay. It, you mean and, you don't like to do bear crawls across the uh, field? <laughs> right, exactly. Yes, that among uh, <laughs> uh, many other things. So at what point, so you went to Wake Forest uh, University, right? Yep. Uh, at what point did they start recruiting you in that, in that process? So Wake Forest probably started recruiting me during my junior year, my junior summer so the summer before senior year so the recruiting process has really changed over the last oh i don't know five to ten years where players are getting recruited much earlier and some players are committing i mean i i we have players in our organization for anti baseball that are um getting recruited and some are getting ready to commit as early as freshman and sophomore year in high school which didn't happen when i was getting recruited no one committed until basically senior year was pretty much when everyone was committing. So it was a much different process back then. But, um, but yeah, Wake Forest, Wake Forest saw me play during the summer, right before my senior year. And then I visited campus. I think it was in October and I committed right around then of my senior year. So you think if uh, New Hampshire hadn't dropped their baseball program, you would have uh, gone there instead of Wake Forest? <laughs> well, it'd be interesting because, um, I probably, I don't know. That's a great question because if I was recruited to play hockey and baseball at UNH, man, that would have been pretty fun <laughs> from just a, from just a baseball perspective. You know, being able to go down to North Carolina and being able to play in the warmer weather and in the ACC would was really really appealing. Um, but then again, to have the hockey option, I'm not really sure what I would have done. That's a that's a good question. Oh, yeah. And then speaking on your uh, baseball organization, I saw that you had two people that were drafted. Yeah, so this past year we just had two players drafted. We it was actually the pretty much the first time we had players that were eligible to get drafted out of college because um, we haven't been around for a really long time. So uh, yeah, it was nice. We had um, Jackson Gillis got drafted by the Brewers. He was playing. He played at Vanderbilt, and Spencer Brown got drafted by the Angels. He was. Uh, actually a junior college player, a, a freshman um, hitter, both really, really good players. And so, yeah, we're super excited for them. They're both grinding away and, and they're in the minor leagues right now. And then, um, you know, we should probably every year now have a couple more guys that have a chance to get drafted and, and there'll be, there'll be more each year that, that do get drafted. So it's fun to be able to watch these guys go from, you know, young players, high school players in the college and now have the opportunity to, to try to make it to the big leagues. Yeah, that's really cool. That's cool to hear. All right, Matt. Um, minor league baseball is said to be tough. It's not much of a secret that most minor league players are not paid well. Are the horror stories told about living arrangements in the minor leagues true? If so, can you you know elaborate maybe as far as uh, what you encountered or what some of your teammates encountered to your knowledge? Sure. So uh, this is something that um, it's hard to really understand what a minor league season is like, unless you honestly, unless you live through it. Like I, I played a lot of baseball, um, and I thought I knew a lot about baseball. And then I got to the minor leagues and the minor leagues were 
nothing like I thought they were going to be. Um, and, <laughs> and I'm also talking about a time when, you know, Wake Forest now, when you think about Wake Forest baseball, uh, I coached there a few years ago. And the difference between when I went there and now is so different. Like stadiums and facilities and all that are incredible, so much incredibly better now than they were then. But even then, when I was there and, and the facilities were not very nice and all that, college, playing in college was so much easier um, and so much nicer than playing in <laughs> professional baseball. And most people wouldn't think that. They think, oh, prof you're a professional, so you must get paid a ton and you must you must live in really nice places and you must travel, you know, really nicely. And that's <laughs> the exact opposite. So, you know, within the first couple road trips, you know, our bus, the AC wouldn't work. It broke down. <laughs> we were stranded overnight. You stay in hotels that are, or motels that are really like some, some of the, they're some of the worst motels that I've ever stayed in <laughs> in my life. Um, you're not getting paid anything. So I was very lucky and fortunate that I got a, a, a large signing bonus. But for the majority of the players, you know, I played with a lot of players in the minor leagues that made, they didn't get a signing bonus. Um, and so they were living off of, for instance, my, my first season in short season ball when I got drafted, you know, we were getting paid. I think I got paid... I think it was a thousand dollars or eleven, uh, eleven hundred dollars a month. Oh man, um, that's only during the season. So, you know, the season a minor league season is five months long. So, you know, yeah. if you think about five months at let's say a thousand dollars, that's five thousand dollars for your full time job, um, and that's before taxes. That's before um, you know you have to pay. Most places you're going to have to pay to live, and so you essentially make no money. Um, and so unless you get a big signing bonus or you come from a family that can help support you, it's almost impossible to live. And like I said, I play with a lot of guys, especially players from, from Latin America that didn't come from money, didn't get a big signing bonus, don't have any money. And they're trying to survive. You know, I saw people, I saw people getting yelled at all the time for, for literally turning their, their bathroom tubs into stoves i saw guys trying to cook you know they'd go out and buy the cheapest food they could buy and they'd be cooking in the hotel rooms um i saw people using they i saw one room they tried to use the air conditioning unit as like a freezer for to keep their chicken cold and like oh, you see all these crazy crazy things with these kids trying to live <laughs> off of no money at all um and again if you tell someone that doesn't know anything about this that they're a professional player they wouldn't believe that this is what they're you know what players are going through and you know just to finish up i saw a lot of players that stopped playing professional baseball because they couldn't afford to play anymore which is amazing to think as a professional that you'd have to stop playing because you can't afford to to do it um yeah it's so, really crazy yeah it's it's um it's tough now Obviously, the reward at the end, if you can get to the big leagues, I mean, the reward is amazing. Um, but the, it's very hard, obviously, to get there. Um, so I think things have to change. I think they are kind of starting to change, and I think they'll continue to over time. Um, there's obviously been, over the last year or so, a lot of publicity that has kind of gone towards the, the, the pay and, the, and what minor league players are going through. So it'll be interesting to see what happens here over the next couple of years. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Andrew and I did a, a segment not too long ago where we talked about uh, 
you know, the, the life of minor league, we kind of covered it as much as we could. We talked about how minor league baseball has kind of cut out a couple of, I don't want to say bad facilities, but maybe some facilities that might, you know, not be as nice as the others. I grew up uh, near Bakersfield. So Sam Lynn ballpark, I, I heard a lot of uh, baseball players complain about that ballpark. Oh yeah. Bakersfield, uh, California. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. So uh, I I I was in that league. Luckily, I got called up before we went to Bakersfield. But I heard that the uh, stadium and, and facilities were not very good there. A lot of our guys after I left, they said you got lucky to get out of here before we went over there. <laughs> yeah, I've heard about uh like the the benches uh, leave splitters on you. Uh, the I believe home plate faces uh, were the sunsets, right? So you have like the sun blaring in your eyes. Yeah, I, I heard about that. I mean. There were definitely some clubhouses and, and uh, you know, th let's say this. There was, a, there was a, a handful of bathrooms and showers in the minor leagues that I did not want to go into um, to shower or oh. use. <laughs> that, that was more than one facility. So there, there's a lot of places that probably shouldn't have been allowed to be open <laughs> or used. <laughs> so I, I, I guess uh, one, one quick um, extension on your minor league comments. What... Uh, so what do you think? Was there is there like a per diem that was added to the players? Like, did you guys get like any like daily meal meal allowance allowance? Sorry, like tripping on my words. Yes. Uh, so when you play on the road, so you don't get paid anything at home, um, but when you go to the to a visiting ballpark, um, you get paid. When I was playing for the first seven years, I think it was, I got twenty dollars a day, um, and then I it went up to twenty five dollars a day my last season, and now. I don't know what it is. I think it actually might still be right around the same. Um, and so, so let's just say that my first seven years of $20 a day. So the $20 will be basically, it's considered meal money. So, you know, hopefully the hotel has a breakfast. So you don't have to use the money, but if it doesn't, you know, you're going to have to get breakfast and at least lunch. And then usually you'll eat dinner uh, at the field. Usually the uh, clubhouse attendant, the road clubby will uh, have food for, the players now sometimes it's so disgusting that you don't want to eat it and you have to you want to go out and eat anyway uh, especially for me i'm a picky eater uh but then you have to pay clubhouse dues also so depending on the level you know i would say it's usually around like 10 to 13 dollars a day or or so so you got to figure you get 20 bucks 10 of it basically half of it's gone and then you get 10 dollars pretty much to eat breakfast and, and lunch with okay yeah so that's not that's not much to live on. No, no, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> and and, the, and to all give right, you an right. idea, when I was when I was in the major leagues, we got a hundred dollars a day of meal money, um, and I believe I tried to look this up. I think it's like one seventy five a day now. I know it's more than a hundred, but um, so it's it's interesting when you're in the major leagues and you're getting paid tons. You get a hundred dollars a day for meals, but then when you're in the minor leagues, you get paid nothing. You only get twenty dollars a day, or now you know maybe maybe 25 or so dollars a day. Yeah, that's a, that's a really crazy difference. Now, yeah. quick question I've always kind of wanted to know. When you're in the majors, do you get your own, like, hotel suite, or do you have to share? Yep, so the major leagues is the first level, uh, the only level that I've ever played in where you get your own hotel room. So in the minor leagues, you, you share a room with another player, um, but in the major leagues, you get your own room, and, you know, you're staying at, most of the, the hotels that I stayed at were Ritz Carlton's or you that's basically, you're going to stay at the best hotel pretty much in every city that you go to when you're in the major leagues. 
Okay, yeah, that's cool. All right, now a couple more questions. Uh, once again, listeners, this is Matt Antonelli being generous enough with this time to join us. Now, uh, for those of you guys who don't know, Matt has a really entertaining YouTube channel. In one of those videos, you talk about your signing bonus and what you did with it. You've already alluded to that a little earlier. Uh, though you explained in your video what you did do with your signing bonus, what would you do differently? Uh, if, if I got drafted again, I would... Um... I wouldn't spend one dollar of my bonus. I would invest the entire thing, um, and then I would. Well, I wouldn't even. I, I. So I guess I would have to live off a little bit of it because, again, minor league salaries are so bad. But I would invest the whole thing and basically live off the interest. Is what I would essentially do. Um, you know, one one thing that one thing that getting paid a lot of money did for me is it it kind of forced me to fig to learn more about money. Uh, my whole life as a kid, before I got drafted, I basically tried to do well in school. I tried to be the best baseball player I could be. And that's all I paid attention to. And so I never really had to get a job. I worked a little bit like washing dishes for my family's business. And, uh, and when I was in the Cape Cod league, I, I worked at a grocery store, but essentially I never really had a job. I never really had a more than i don't know a hundred dollars so i never thought about money what to do with money anything and then i got drafted and then they give you you know i got a little over a million and a half dollars and then i was like shoot what am i supposed <laughs> to do with this yeah. so so like i think like most kids you know i just had turned 21 you know i bought a couple of stupid things i bought myself a sports car because i thought that that's what you're supposed to do um, I ended up buying a house because I wanted to live in a house and, uh, and then I invested my, I did invest some money, so I was smart enough to at least invest some of it. Um, but I would, to do it over again, I wouldn't buy a car and I wouldn't even at the time I wouldn't buy a house. I would just literally invest it all and let that money sit there and grow and then maybe live off some of the interest and then hopefully get to the big leagues and live off that money. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a, a, a pretty safe plan there. The baseball season is really long. Now, bearing injuries, at what point do you think the typical baseball player's body starts to, you know, wear out? When does the grind truly start for the average Major League Baseball player? As far as what age or what part of the season? Yeah, you know, what part of the season? And obviously age is a factor, too. Gotcha. You know, just... Um, so... That's a really good question. I think, I think it depends, you know, when you're younger, um, my first few years, like they just played the hell out of me as long as I wasn't injured. Um, I can remember my first full season when I was in double a, they never gave me a day off. And I remember like I, every day I'd get to the field and I'd look at the, the lineup card and be like, please have my name on the bench, please. And it would be like, nope, second base again. And, uh, you know, at this point it was probably August. I mean, they call it, you know, the dog days of August. And I mean, that's definitely true. Um, especially as a minor league player that is not used to playing that much. Like that was my first full season. That is a, a real shock to have to play pretty much every day. And the minor leagues is weird because you don't really ever get days off. Um, you know, if the manager doesn't take you out of the game, there's, there's pretty much games every day. Like you get like one day off 
as far as a team goes per month is what it kind of comes out to. And uh, so it's really difficult. I'd say that one thing you learn in the minor leagues is how to play not feeling anywhere close to your best. Like I heard, I don't know who said it, but they said the only day of a baseball season that you feel 100% is the first day of spring training, and then that's pretty much it. And that is true. <laughs> um, you don't ever really feel good. And you also get used to, I always said that my first year of pro ball felt in many ways that you know, I was felt like I was sleepwalking in some games because you, the travel's tough. You don't get a lot of sleep. And so you got to learn. You just got to learn how to play when you're not at your best. That's part of being a minor league player and a major league player. If you think like, oh, I'm only going to play well when I feel good. Well, then you're never going to play well because you don't ever feel good. So um, that's part of it. But I would say, I don't know, August is a rough month because your body's just really beat up. Um but hell, I mean, there were years where my body didn't feel good in April also. So it's, uh, it's, really, it's, it's really, really tough to say. I do think that um, that it'll make it, I think personally, you need to make sure that you're getting your players some time off. Um, I do think, again, that first year, I almost felt like they were like, okay, we're going to like, we're going to see what this guy can do and how much we can just kick the crap out of him and see if he can keep bouncing back and playing well. Um, yeah, not like of. initiation, but it almost felt like that in some ways. Uh, and so, and I do think there is part of it that some people say like, you've got to earn it. And in the minor leagues, like, let's see if you can freaking get through this thing. And if you really want it bad enough, if you want to get to the big leagues, like you'll figure out a way to, like I said, you got to play well and you got to basically, you got to keep going through, you know, through the bumps and the bruises and being tired and, and all that stuff. Yeah, definitely. Like a sink or swim type of thing. Sure. Yep. Did you, uh, did you feel like, did you come up with like any personal systems or like mental routines to get you through those days in August? Well, I think routines are definitely a part of baseball. You, you, you almost do the same thing every single day. And so you learn how to kind of adapt over time. And, um, you know, for instance, when I was in college or when you're a young player, like you can, your, your body's going to bounce back a lot better. You know, you don't have to stretch as much. You don't have to take cold tubs and you don't have to ice down or, or whatever it is. You don't have to do that as much, but I got into a routine as I got older where, you know, I'd have to make sure that I wouldn't just stretch before games, but I go through some type of stretch after games. I got into the cold tub a lot more um, after games. I would do arm care stuff. And back then it wasn't as popular as it is now, but I would make sure that I was doing some type of arm care stuff to take care of your arm. That's one of the real big things that a lot of people don't think about is what your arm feels like when you throw every single day for six months straight. Um, you know, your arm starts to not feel very good um you also got to make sure that you get into the training room and a lot of people say like you know you got to stay out of the training room you don't want to be in there but the trainers do a really good job of helping get your body going whether it's a stretch or or a massage or you know whatever it is and it's also easier at the big league level you know they have uh chiropractors they have masseuses on hand they have a lot more ways to make sure your body is feeling good 
Um, and also the, the better travel and the better meals and the better hotels and all that stuff really does help also. Uh, the minor leagues, you don't always have that stuff. But, yeah, with all that being said, yeah, you got to definitely tweak your routine and try to figure out what, what makes your body feel the best. And uh, you don't want to re- just um, rely on Advil and Red Bulls. <laughs> sometimes that is uh, what a lot of players end up relying on. Um, but you want to try to not get into that routine. Uh, you made a video about unwritten rules. One of the things that you talked about in that video was pimping home runs. With the culture change over the last year with the Let the Kids Play campaign, has your viewpoint changed on that at all? This is you personally. Yeah, so when it comes to to that, um, so my thought, I think, is I am all for emotion in the game. I think when you do something that is uh, spontaneous or just out of emotion, um, I think that is good. I I don't like when guys do things just to bring attention to them themselves. So, and I know it's hard sometimes to tell which is which. Um, but I'm not against uh, you know pimping a home run uh, as long as it's not. I don't know. And it, again, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just <laughs> outrageous, outlandish. Uh, just look at me. So, you know, and and how do you define that? I'm not really sure. But I do think. Listen, I'm a hitter. I think that pitchers, in my opinion, you know, a pitcher can strike you out and he can fist pump and scream and yell and dance off the field. And that's considered (laughs) like, okay. But then when a hitter hits a ball and doesn't like sprint out of the box, the pitcher's screaming at him to to get around the bases. So I think that (laughs) is silly. And I think that hitters should be able to do a little bit more and show a little bit more emotion. Um, You know, within reason, I guess. So it's, it's an interesting it's an interesting topic, and I'm not even sure how to classify or define exactly how much should be allowed by the hitter. Um, but yeah, I do. Th- I do think that there should be. And I, when I made that video, I can't remember if I was talking about what I thought should be allowed or what the game itself expects, or what, especially with pitchers, because pitchers get so, you know, butthurt about every <laughs> little thing that a, that a hitter does. Um, <laughs> And and I think that they they can be pretty soft at times, um, but I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully, that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, that was a great answer. <laughs> All right, so uh, last one I have. You were one of the few players to make it to the show. What would you do differently if you had to do your career all over again this time around? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I think that, and well, this wouldn't be possible. I mean, I think one of the biggest things that I struggled with, obviously, was staying healthy. Uh, A lot of those things were kind of out of my control. I ended up having a bad wrist and I ended up, you know, I broke my hand and had a bunch of surgeries. So, I mean, if there were any way to change that and and get a healthier hand and wrist, I would be all for it. Uh, (laughs) That was probably out of my control. So I think something that I could control I think I would probably try to try to understand my what made me successful as a player, especially from an offensive side. Um, you know, one of the things I think hurt me was in 2008. I, for for reasons I'm not even still sure about, my swing started to kind of 
fall apart on me. I, I'd, I'd lost my swing essentially. And, uh, and my problem was I didn't really know what I did when I was successful. I didn't know why I was successful. I just kind of always hit well, whether it was growing up or high school or college or, or my first years of, of pro ball. And so I just hit well and I just kind of take it for granted. And then all of a sudden when something happens and you don't hit well, I didn't have any idea what made me successful. And so I didn't know how to kind of get back to doing that again. And a lot of people, you know, a lot of people in 2008 would say, well, Matt, just why don't you just go back to doing what you did? And I was like, yeah, no kidding. Like, I wish I could do that. Do you think I'm trying to do you know, trying to hit like, you know what? Right now? So, um, uh, but that is a real thing that I think a lot of players, especially at that time, you know, now there's there's a lot more technology. There's a, I think players are taking more ownership over their careers, understanding exactly what's going on in their swings. Um, and I didn't do as good of a job as that as I probably should have. I really got in. One of the reasons I, I got into I, I became so passionate about hitting and about swing mechanics is because of what I went through and knowing how it's not fun when you don't know what you're doing wrong. And, you know, everyone is trying to make you do a thousand different things and nobody really understands what's going on. And it can be really frustrating. And, uh, you know, baseball is one of the most, you know, it's a game of failure and it can be very frustrating because even if you're a great hitter, you're going to be unsuccessful 70% of the time. But, you know, for me, certain years, I was, I was, you know, unsuccessful almost 80% of the time, which is, which is very, very frustrating, can really get you down mentally and, uh, and emotionally. So, um, yeah, I think that would be the biggest thing is to, to know my strengths and why they're my strengths and, uh, take a little bit more time to do that before things go bad, not waiting until, you know, the, you know, what hits the fan. And then you're like, okay, now I got to figure this out. It, it can be really, really tough. Um, and I struggled with that for a while during my career. Yeah, that's that's a that's a great answer. Do you think that if you had the technology that was available today, that that would have been like a huge help to you back in uh, two thousand eight? Um, it depends. I do think that there could be. I, I do think that you know I was someone that probably would have been interested in it. But again, I, I wonder. Um, it's tough to tell if you know when I was doing so well, if I just took it for granted and I didn't pay attention because I had a mindset of, well, things are working right now. I, I wonder what I would have, what I would have done. Um, I don't know. That's a really good question. I, I think that, I think that the technology, whether it's the um, swing sensors that are now on your bat or, you know, the, you know, even if you think about just, recording swings videotaping swings um you know when i was playing we i very rarely watched myself on video and uh now i mean every player has an iphone that they can you know just record themselves taking swings <laughs> whatever they want and i and we didn't do that like i i can remember i don't even know what it was called a flip video or something like that i remember i got one of those when i was playing and i thought it was like the coolest thing ever i look at that thing now i'm like what the hell is this? i wonder why we didn't film each other like, this thing is brutal um, i couldn't even if we did film each other we wouldn't have been able to see anything anyway so it's uh yeah it's definitely different now and i think you know some people especially more old school um, baseball people will get upset sometimes with the technology and all that. But I think it's, I think it's good for the game and I think it's good for the players. And, 
you know, for the players that want to take ownership of their swing and their career, I think it, it's uh, really valuable. Matt Antonelli taking the time to join us here on the Padres Mission Podcast. Matt, do you want to go ahead and tell the listeners what you have going on these days? Sure. Yeah, so, um, I mean, the biggest thing for for me is I run Antonelli Baseball, which is basically a, it's a youth uh, travel ball organization slash academy so we do lessons and clinics and uh and we have teams we have almost 200 players in our organization that play with us throughout the year so our our main goal and and job i guess is to help players develop both on and off the field and we're we're helping players you know whether it's young players teaching them the ins and outs of the game and help helping instill a loving uh, for the game and then our older players we're helping them you know make their high school teams and hopefully playing college and um, you know, whatever it is, whatever level of the game they want to get to, helping them get to that point. So that's the main thing. And then, you know, with our YouTube channel, that's kind of almost has like a mind of its own. Now I'm playing video games on there, <laughs> doing all kinds of crazy things. But ultimately my goal is to help spread, um, just any knowledge that I've been able to gain over my career as a player or now as a coach and help, you know, help younger players and help coaches and help parents, um, you know, learn from that and be able to help their kids and their players. So that's the main goal. So if you want to check out, you know, kind of some of the stuff that we're, we have going on, pretty much it's Antonelli Baseball anywhere. So you can go to YouTube, type in Antonelli Baseball. I'm on Instagram a lot. Uh, our website's AntonelliBaseball.com. You can find stuff on there. So, uh, yeah, if anyone wants to go check that out, wants to learn some more, just uh, watch me uh, hit homers and road to the show, you can do that. Yeah, I uh, play in a uh, adult league, and uh, I definitely watch your videos. So does a lot of my team members. Uh, a lot of us uh, used to play indie ball. So, uh, you know, we watch a lot of your videos. Uh, I can definitely vouch that they're really helpful. Uh, and your role of the show is uh, pretty entertaining, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Consider uh, growing the hair back like you have. <laughs> I know. that's it. it is all in the hair, for sure. I cut my hair, actually, in college. My, se- my, my junior year, I hit a... What did I hit? 11 home runs. I hit 11 with long hair. I cut my hair and I hit zero. So it is without a doubt all in the long hair. Lesson learned. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what you would have done differently this time, right? That's a good point. Actually, the Padres did yell at me a few times to cut my hair. So <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't like it either. But you don't mess, you don't mess with a good thing with success. Is it? So. <laughs> all right. Matt Antilli, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for taking the time out of your day. We appreciate it very much. No problem, guys. Go Padres. Wow, that was an awesome interview. Andrew, did you enjoy that as much as I did? Oh, that that was amazing. Uh, you could not have asked for a better person to be our first uh, interviewee. That was, that was incredible. Yeah, no, I mean, Matt was absolutely amazing. Uh, before we dive into any kind of post coverage on that amazing interview, uh, Andrew and I both really genuinely want to thank Matt Antonelli for the time and uh, just for sitting here and talking baseball. I mean, Andrew and I literally sit here and talk baseball almost every night. So, I mean, Matt Antonelli to take the time out of his busy schedule to do that is absolutely awesome. Andrew, anything to add on that? No, that, that was amazing. Thank you, Matt, so much if you're listening to this. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, now, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about some of the stuff that uh, Matt alluded to. Now, the thing that I think fascinated you and I the most we talked about off air was the stuff that he said about the minor leagues. Now, I believe it was our last episode we recorded 
where uh, you said that there was horror stories of minor leaguers, you know, like six or seven guys living in an apartment together. But to actually get some form of confirmation from Matt Antonelli about some of those horror stories is absolutely fascinating to me. Oh, yeah, that, that was incredible. Uh, I, what was he talking about? He was ta- mentioned that people were using their AC units in their hotel rooms to – uh, as like a makeshift fridge for like chicken yeah, and for like chicken that. and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or in grilling out of their bathtubs and getting in trouble. Different. All that, right, Burger King. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, as as silly as it sounds, it's it's kind of heartbreaking that minor leaguers have to go through that that they can't you know get enough money to survive that they have to resort to cooking out of their bathtub. All I'm saying, guys, is next time you go to a minor league baseball game, that's right, when you go see, you know, the Lake Elsinore store, the El, uh, the, the El Paso Chihuahuas, is that where they are? Yeah, yeah. Remember, some of these guys literally ate air-conditioned chicken that day. I mean, there's a very decent chance. He also said that some guys cook out of their bathtubs. I mean, I would imagine it'd be things like, uh, you know, ramen noodles is what I would assume. But, I mean, he didn't really elaborate on that, and it's probably a good thing he didn't elaborate on that. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I mean, he talked about players making about $1,100 a month, uh, you know, through the minors, only for five months out of the year. And that was about 10 years ago. But the numbers have only gone up to $7,500 for the total year, or about $1,500 a month. So the conditions haven't gone up for the minor leaguers. It's still a really sad situation. Yeah, I mean... So, I mean, if you were to break that up between 12 months, that's like, what, $625 a month if you were, you know, to split that up between a year salary? Yeah, and that's that's insane because almost nowhere in the country, unless you're in, you know, some backwoods place, can you survive for $600 a month. I mean, even even there, that's that's like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's pushing it to the extremes. And then with the minor league systems going through California, going through New York, that, that's almost impossible. You would, th- you would think that, you know, with major leagues well, teams wanting to develop their talent and keep as many people in the system as healthy and productive as possible, that they would want to give them a living wage. It's so bizarre that they're not doing that. I mean, we talked last week about uh, – yeah, it was last week – about them wanting to cut 42 minor league systems – or minor league teams. Do you think that part of that is so this issue – can get better like do you really think that cutting 42 teams might be the solution for this problem if i mean if they guaranteed that these guys would be getting better facilities higher page higher pay and like uh, better living conditions maybe but with how much the major league is fighting tooth and nail to give these guys any kind of pay raise it, i i i feel like that they're just doing another cost saving. It's a really bizarre situation. You have the average major league salary is $4 million a year. And the average minor league salary is 7.5,000. There's definitely money to go around here. So I, I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what major league baseball does do to handle this situation i mean matt said to himself that he does see it getting a little bit better from the days that he played but i mean yeah i mean it, this is a giant 
problem. I know Rob Manford probably isn't listening to this, but if for some reason he does, something's got to change. I mean, these guys can't be eating ramen noodles out of bathtubs, you know, gross chicken that's certainly not sanitary at that point. Yeah, at least give these guys a fridge. Yeah. At the bare minimum, (laughs) give give them a hotel that has a fridge so they can, like, maybe... In all fairness, most hotels offer uh, the little ice uh, ice machines, right? So I mean, maybe. <laughs> yeah, give them give them a cooler. <laughs> them a... <laughs> we're not giving bonus. We're not giving out signing bonuses anymore. We're giving out mini fridges. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, styrofoam coolers. <laughs> From Circle K. Yeah, and Bunsen, Bunsen burners. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah, no, I mean that was. Obviously, all of the interview was great, but that was the part that just fascinated me the most. Because once again, I mean, this is just the stuff that you can't even think about. You can't even fathom. And even though he's, you know, Matt told us these stories, I truly don't think that we really understand what he said. You can visualize it, but I don't, you know, until you live it, I just, you know, you just can't fully respect what these guys go through. So, I mean, you know, we can keep talking forever about that, to be honest. Yeah. So if anyone's listening here, go buy some chicken and find your AC unit and see if you can figure out how to retrofit it to become a cooler. Yeah. Go to Aldi with 25 cents because you need the 25 cent quarter. Uh, that was stupid. Yeah, <laughs> you need no, no, you're good. To put in the shopping cart. Have you ever gone to Aldi? Because yeah, yeah, we, uh, there's a Aldi's in California by where I used to live, and I think we're getting one out here. But no, I mean, what they get twenty dollars a day, right? Minor yeah. leaguers, and they get yeah. lower level. Yeah. And ten to thirteen dollars has to go to the clubhouse attendant on away games, so that means they're giving seven dollars back. And you're talking, that's, I mean, a quarter is one twenty-eighth of your daily allowance for food. <laughs> so, I mean, they, they have to even think about going to all of these. They're like, do I want to spend this quarter? Oh, my gosh. I, this, that, that puts it into perspective. I mean, what I wanted, what we should have asked him was, um, I mean, in that situation, what can you eat? Like, and also, like, what does the spread look like when you have to pay you know, uh, if you're the away team, is it just like a pollo loco catering? Is it not even that? Is it just like, you know, Taco Bell bean and cheese burritos? Yeah. Is, it, is it like, yeah, I, I don't know. In my head, I always imagine like Major League Back to the Miners where they always had like the sub spreads. But I mean, that's just a movie. I, I, I feel like it'd probably be more like of a pasta kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like classic, like high school football, like pasta. <laughs> yeah, right. It's got to be something. <laughs> Yeah, right. It's going to be Little Caesars hot and ready pizza that was, you know, not hot and ready. Yeah, it's just I, I, there's, there could be like a, a multiple episode series on just minor league living conditions. Well, I mean, it, hopefully we'll get some more guests here in the near future. And, uh, you know, if we keep asking some guys, we'll keep getting different answers. Everyone's going to have different, you know, stories to tell. So stay tuned for that, folks. I mean, that's. That'll be an interesting piece, uh, and I'm sure Andrew and I would love to hear all I guess talk about those kind of stories. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd love to get a guy on that didn't have the signing bonus, that didn't have, you know, you know, I mean, Matt was an unbelievable talent, and that's why he made it to the majors. But it, it'd be great to find a person that didn't have all those benefits and to hear their story. Yeah, no, that that definitely would. Um, all right, so that's just about gonna do it out of us. Um, if you guys enjoyed this uh like we did 
and you guys want to see this, uh, maybe interview some more people, or if you want to see us do different kinds of interviews, or if you can point us in the direction of an interview, Padres Mission Podcast at gmail.com is going to be the best way to get a hold of us. It's also a great email that you can give us feedback on our show. How can we make the show better for you, the fans? That's essentially why we're doing this. Also, if you're interested in sponsoring our show, the same email, Padres Mission Podcast at gmail.com. We are always looking for sponsors. Andrew, do you have anything you'd like to close out uh, with tonight? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, I mean, if you're listening, ch- check out Matt Antonelli's YouTube channel. It's uh, Antonelli Baseball. He's got a lot of great content on there, a lot of more information about his experiences in the big league, his opinions. He's got some great stuff about learning how to play baseball. It's an amazing channel, great content, so definitely go give it a, a watch. Also, if you guys are interested, uh, Matt Antonelli uh, has his baseball academy going on. Go ahead and check out that website, Antonelli Baseball, and uh, you know, look at all that good information on his website. Um, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Uh, And on behalf of both Andrew and I, we truly hope that you guys started your new year off right. Go Padres and Happy New Year.